she's on the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. Caroline. No one can do it quite like Caroline. It's time for Caroline. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Hyper Caroline Hobby. I am your host, Caroline Hobby. I know music, I know people, and I know the questions you want to ask. So let's get hyper. Heads up, these are adults having adult conversations, so there could be adult content. I am so excited about this episode. I have Lou Taylor joining me, and she is such a badass. She is a business manager. She's the CEO and the founder of TriStar Sports Entertainment Group. She business manages all of the best acts from Florida Georgia Line, Britney Spears, Gwen Stefani, Megan Trainer, A Thousand Horses, my hubby, what, what? She does everyone, and she is so incredible. She does it with style. She does it with a huge faith, and she takes no nonsense from anyone. This is a woman who gets it done. She inspires me beyond no end, and she looks fabulous doing it. So you guys, please welcome Lou Taylor. And also, if you want to watch this podcast, go to my website, carolinehobby.com, and click on watch, and it will take you to my YouTube page where you can see the whole podcast on video. So here is Lou Taylor. You just flew in from New York last night? Yep. Planes, trains, and automobiles. You know how it goes. What were you doing in New York? Um, Clive Davis was releasing his film, The Soundtrack of My Life, at the Tribeca Film Festival. So he kicked off Tribeca. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Star-studded, I'm sure. Yeah, and after the film, they had uh, live performances by Barry Manilow, Aretha Franklin, which oh. was just insane to look at her, at where she's at, at her age, and still open her mouth and put you to the floor. Like, good music always wins. That's always. what I say, always wins. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you a few little rapid-fire yep. questions. Okay, go for it. This one's going to be hard because you've accomplished and done so much. But what's left on the bucket list? Oh. What's left on the bucket list? Well, I don't know that, I, I think when you are a driving CEO, the bucket list doesn't have a bottom because new talent's always coming up, new things are always happening. And every time that does, you know, as a CFO, we're looking at how we're gonna participate in it. So I think personal bucket list things, like I would like to have two weeks solid off for me to go skiing and not be interrupted. Snow skiing? Yeah. You love to snow ski? I totally grew up skiing. I love to snow, snow skiing. Snow skiing is dangerous. No, fabulous. <laughs> I've been skiing since I was a little tyke. So two weeks on the sleigh, and I'm gangster skier. What do you mean? So that's like <laughs> first chair up in the morning. You race to get down like at 3.30 because the chairs usually stop running around 4 o'clock. So you race to get down on the slope so you can get all the way up the mountain and take your time to come down. Do you go super fast and do the moguls and all the double blacks? Um, well, at 51, Dearful. I don't really do that anymore. Um, my husband says that I'm steady and pretty. So that's <laughs> steady, pretty form. Just stay, you know, it's my life. Stay the course. I love Sometimes that. it's ugly, <laughs> like when you hit the moguls, but stay pretty, stay the course. So. That's kind of a metaphor for your career, Totally. Huh? Pretty Which much. Which we talked about, too earlier walking in because you walked in looking like a dream with your spike how do you say Louboutins 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 yeah. on you have you are one of those women that I feel like you dress the part like you are the part and you dress the part how important is is putting out there 
the full image all the time for you? Well, you know, I think what happens sometimes when you're involved in the entertainment business, there's this misconception that hip sometimes is sloppy, and I just want people to be professional. It's the same in my office, and it says right in our dress code, don't come to work looking like you're going grocery shopping on a Saturday with nine kids. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the bottom line. I want you dressed for success. Our we're an extension of clients. So you're a client. If you and Michael walk in and you want to have a meeting, I think even though you say, oh, you've got great technical competencies and you come in and everybody looks like a hot mess or a slob, it's like, I just don't think it represents well. Listen, our technical expertise has to back up the appearance, but both have to exist. I love that. Yeah. I think that P. Diddy always says that too, dress the part. Like you have to. You have, totally. have to. One of the girls who works for me yesterday, so you know I just did a 24-hour turnaround. I did Nashville, <laughs> Vegas for a meeting, did the meeting, got on a flight, flew to New York, got up the next morning, had a 9 o'clock meeting. And so when I landed in Nashville yesterday, I had a meeting with Miss Reba as soon as I walked in the door. How do you have all this energy? I don't know. <laughs> it's insanity. Um, but I was walking into a meeting, so I got dressed before I left New York because I knew there was no downtime in between. And so one of the girls who works for me, she goes, I can't believe you just got off a plane, that you're so put together. Every time I'm on a plane, I'm a mess. And I can't remember who told me this, but when I was a young lady, somebody once said to me, never get on a plane looking a wreck because you never know who you're going to be sitting next to. True that. And I've never, never, ever forgotten that. And I'm like actually... One of my partners that I was traveling with yesterday, she goes, I'm wearing my hot pink Nikes and my sweats. And I'm like, it's just not who I am. I you love know? that about you. Yeah. So what is your biggest pet peeve? People who just want a job. Oh, explain. Yeah. So people who just want a job for me. I mean, we're in the sports and entertainment business, but we're in a very definitive role. We're accountants, finance people, accountants. Um, service people so we know what our role is but if you don't love the business and understand the bigger picture in serving people you're going to hate it because as a technician you're doing the financials corporations building businesses all of that's exciting but then there's still the element of um, doing all of the personal work because we do the personal bills we take care of domestic staff so Honestly, that's why I feel like women sometimes make bit better business managers because we're natural-born nurturers. So it doesn't bother us to excel as a badass technician and still be in a, in a place where we reason things out of compassion and, and nurturing. Does that make you sense? You cover both ends of the spectrum. Like yeah. a manager is not going to call you and go, Caroline, what do we need to do about your puppies while you and Michael are on the road? But we do touch that. Like, that's part of our responsibility. And you have such a personal relationship with all of your clients. That's something I've noticed being with you guys for, like, I guess it's been about two years now. Maybe a little Yeah, longer. a little bit longer, probably. You, like, know everyone's birthday. You know everything going on in people's life. Like, I feel like you, you really do nurture these clients like your family. Yeah, I think it's important that if you're going, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do it beyond well. And, you know, my, my husband has a saying about me, and, and don't misunderstand <laughs> his heart in this because he doesn't mean I'm not satisfied with him because I am, but he's like, babe, you're never satisfied. And I think, that's, I think that's a very true statement. It's an element of constantly scaling 
and flexing. And it's like, if you pay me, I should know your birthday because to me that's excellence. I'm celebrating you. I'm celebrating the fact that you trust me to handle your personal finances. I mean, really, other than a doctor, we're so intimate. It is an intimate relationship. And, you know, my staff will probably tell you the same thing. It's that balance of, I want to inspire them, but I'm not ever content with where we are. If we can do things differently, then we're going to do it. And I want to be able to scale, and that's why it's in our mission statement. What is your mission statement? Well, we have several... The mission statement is simple, to be the world's best business manager. <laughs> and you never are changed. doing that. It's never changed. Just it's, a little moment. Billboard has like given you accolades as the top 25 business managers or 100 best women in the entertainment industry, as well as like all of these huge publications have honored you as one of the best business managers. So you're doing your, business, your, your statement. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that statement, and this gets hard, and I'm not just saying it because it seems like the politically correct thing to do, but I tell my staff all the time, it might be my face, but it's their work. And so collectively, let me, let me tell you what's not my pet peeve, but what floats my boat. <laughs> Hiring technical geniuses that are drivers, that they see an issue or they just see a process improvement and they drive to do it. There is nothing that gets me off more for one of my staff to write me and go, this is how this is happening, A, B, and C. This is how I think we should fix it, A, B, and C. Do I have your approval? Go for it. Like, there's nothing more exciting to me than having staff that does that. See, that shows confidence in you, too, because I feel like some people who run big companies want to be the end-all, be-all top dog, and they have a hard time with other people having power and excelling. Do you ever see that? But to me, like you, you yeah. want people to succeed and crush it. Yeah. It, it, for me, the, the hard thing is when you're in a corporation and you're sitting in a queue, there are so many levels of reporting and you're not exposed. Because by the time something gets to the CEO, let's say at HCA, it's probably gone through and touched 10, 15 different people. So there's a lot of autonomy in the work process, but there's also a lot of shelter. In business management, there is no shelter because it's the client, the accounting manager, the business manager, and me. So you're fully exposed all the time. If something doesn't go right and it impacts a client, there's, immediate, there's, a, there's an immediate awareness of that. And, and people have a hard time adjusting to that because you know, human nature is self-preservation. Nobody wants to be in a position where they're not doing something right. So I, I do feel like people struggle sometimes in business management, understanding that you're fully exposed and that you're going to have to step out and take chances at times on things that might not, might be counterintuitive, you know? So you have to trust your gut. Trust your gut. And if they're I, I used to consider it a failure if I had to have turnover. Okay. And um, there, there's a great book written by a, by a man who did lots of um, research work called Jim Collins. And so m most college students have heard of Good to Great. It was a business book that um, broke down analytics of companies that outperformed the S&P 500, right? And so one of, it really came down to a list of attributes it really didn't come down to this is how they built processes, this is how they did their financing. It all came down to the personal attributes of the people performing the job. What so, are they? 
Well, one of them was, you know, for a CEO, it was really empowering people to make decisions. That That's was one crucial. Of them. Crucial. Mm -hmm. And then the other was get the right people on the bus doing the right jobs. Right. Get the wrong ones off. Yep. Because sometimes you can have the right person, but they're doing the wrong job. And that is one thing at TriStar that we work really hard to do. Like, you may come in for a role. Like, touring and business management is very different, even though they're peers. Okay. Touring's day-to-day. The show's rolling, there's day-to-day -day needs, issues. Every day something's going on where business management is more planned. Pay the bills on the 1st and the 15th, reconcile your transactions. So it's, it's methodical. So this technician who works in touring has to be able to deal with crazy. So somebody will interview <laughs> and go, I want crazy, right? They love the wild. They love the wild, but then they think they want it. And then they get in and they realize, oh shit, she wasn't lying, I actually <laughs> meant wild. And they're like, I wanna go to business management. So anyway. Do you let people evolve? Totally. And so that's, if you're the right person, I will move you. If you're the right person, I don't have a job for you yet, but you're bringing value add, I'll find one. That's awesome. You can spot the right people. If you're the wrong person, I will get you off, and now I'm at the place where I don't make apologies for turnover. How do you I'll know if they're right over. or wrong? What, what stands out to know that in staff? Well, is there retention in things you've been trained on? So you train, you allow them to perform, you allow them to succeed. So if there's not retention and you're having to constantly go back, then that's an issue because then you're not lifting the load. Somebody else is on the bus is carrying your load. Um, People who are negative are cancer in any situation. Amen. So if you are a complaining, nagging, negative, gossiping, indecisive person, I will just walk you out. And <laughs> yes, I, I don't Lou. even make an excuse for it no. anymore. I just don't put up with it. It's like Life's a disease. Too, I tell them, I go, we're not in the ER trauma room. We're in the entertainment business. You get to come to a cool place to work. You get to serve people who are impacting the community. We're not saving lives here. Be positive. If you see something that's not right, fix it. You're not a victim. But if you're going to bitch and complain, Ain't got deuces. time for that. You can go in. I don't care. Peace. I love it. And honestly, you've created such an environment and a culture in your office and in TriStar in general because you walk in those doors it's bright, it's white, it feels amazing. Like you have all, you have like coffee, candy, everyone's happy. It make, I never want to leave my business manager's office, which is crazy because most, <laughs> most of the people time, don't want to come in. Yes. Yeah, they're afraid. It's usually yeah. scary. It's like going to the dentist most of the time, but with you guys, it's like heaven. Yeah. And you well, have quotes you. of empowerment all over the walls. It literally is the most uplifting place. And well, you, you hire a lot of women. Yeah, that goes back to my, you know, my thing that I think women make better business managers. I kind of do yeah. too. They're so detail-oriented and the nurturing aspect. Totally. Most of the men who work for me love the entertainment business. And then um, their contribution winds up being in a, um, in a siloed position of excellence. You know, my royalties director is amazing. Brett, who services you guys, he's amazing because he loves the business and he eats, breathes, and sleeps how to constantly be a better, you know, technician. I have a Frenchman who, you know, wants to build a, a soccer practice or football, as he tells me, because that's <laughs> the proper way. You know, I have another one who would like me to try to build a golfing practice because he loves golf. And so when I have people who are excellent at their job and they want to help or they want me to help them build a discipline within the practice, I love that. 
It's like they're, they're young men who are going to support their families, and they love the business. And I will, I will say this. If you don't love the business, you won't get it. It's like the Clive Davis thing. I didn't care that the movie was three hours because as a young lady, when I first started in business management, I didn't even know what business management was. And I went and I picked up Clive's book. I wish I'd have brought it. But what it's a my full answer. circle experience. Totally. To be not, because you know him and y'all like, yep. it's, a be- it's crazy. So talk about Brett, right? I'm like his age as a young lady for starting and then full circle or representing uh, Mary J. Blige. And then you're all of a sudden representing her 25 years later. But, but Clive's whole thing is when you look at the history of his life, it was three hours of stories and success. And one of the things Clive said, and they had footage of it, he said every day, or let, I take this back, every point in his life when the charts dropped, he would take the top 20 records and he would put them in his satchel because he was taking physical records, records for this young generation doesn't know what that is. <laughs> like when you look music up and it says, you know, it started with record, cassette tape, you know, whatever, and even going back to eight track oh, tapes. Yeah. But he took the top 20 records that were on the chart and he would listen to them over and over again to see what the changes were, what were... He studied. And had footage of him with this satchel that looked like 900 years old. To and see so, what was happening to see in what current was happening. music. Yeah, and it's the same. I want people who have that same passion as a technician and a developer of business. I want them to study it or eat, breathe, and sleep it. I got to tell you this funny story. I'm going to digress for a second. <laughs> so my, one of my controllers came in and said to my director of business management, we made a big mistake oh, God. this year. Sure you love those words. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, shoot. And he goes, we made a horrible mistake basically. And she's like, what? He goes, we forgot to issue a 1099. So one of our female clients, right? And she's like, how did we miss that? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, but so-and-so paid $86,000 to this guy, Christian Loboden, Lobo, Lobo, and we didn't issue him a 1099. And literally my director of business management fell out the frame if she had had depends I think she'd have just taken the freedom to pee her pants right there she was losing her lid and of course she's the like, guy came in and said of that. course the guy came in and said that and I was like god bless your wife right and she's <gasps> like I'm telling you you couldn't have scripted it just at that point one of the girls in the office went walking by and she had on a pair of Christian Louboutin boots and literally <laughs> Peggy called her in she goes I'd like you to introduce Brian to Christian Louboutin. <laughs> I thought that was the greatest story ever. But anyway, it's, it goes back to loving the business, loving the creativity of it, loving the fun of it. And as a technician, if you don't love the business and you don't enjoy it, you're going to hate it because we have a tough job. A debit's a debit, a credit's a credit, period. We have clients with short-term accumulation phases. Not everybody is a Mary J or a Steven or a Carlos Santana, whatever. Florida Georgia Line. Florida Georgia Line. You have a period of time where you get to experience unusual wealth as the fruit of your craft. And if we don't love what we're doing, it's it's going to show in our performance and how we serve, how we think, are we creative, are we thinking about the next move for them? Are we thinking about ancillary revenue streams? And it's like I took away from Clive's movie. It didn't even seem like three hours to me that what you saw was a man who was a lawyer who 
he literally would eat, breathe, and sleep his craft, and I do the same thing. That's, that's why, why he's the best, and that's why you're the best. Well, I don't know if no, I'm the best. you are the some, best. I have some formidable peers, but, you know, it might just be gumballs to somebody else, but those gumballs mean a lot to me. <laughs> I love that's that. simple. I love that. And also, you are killing it as a woman in a very male-dominated industry, too. What is it like being in the boys' club? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can tell you, honestly, I don't really think about it that way. I feel like if I give any intention to anything other than what I'm doing, then I would, I would be compromising my success. So you just have blinders on. Blinders not on. Not looking right, not looking left. I don't care what anybody else does. I don't care how they do it. And you don't care if people get mad at you either if you're doing no. the right thing. It's so weird to me. Somebody just said to me, um, oh crap, they sent me an email. And somebody said, I asked around town, meaning here, not Los Angeles, you know, where our other office is. They said, I asked around town, and consistently people said you were a disruptor. And I was like, well, what does that mean? What am I, accounting to counting, like, what am I disrupting? And so is it that I don't settle? Yeah. Do I expect a lot? Uh, you can ask that little girl over there what I expect. <laughs> I expect a lot, but I expect, and I know people say this all the time, I expect nothing less out of anybody else than what I give at all. Yeah. You're, so I don't know what that means. Well, and also, though, I think, why do women get this reputation if you're a badass at what you do? Why do women get this reputation of where a man can be a total asshole, but people don't care? Because he's, I don't you know? know. I haven't. I haven't, I haven't figured out that part, you know. Mm -hmm. I wish I could say to somebody, I've figured it out and this is what <laughs> it's like, but I really haven't figured, you know, it's the old adage, why is a woman a bitch and a man good at his job? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not bitching. Yeah. It's the way it is, period, yeah. you know. I don't know. I wish I could tell you I, I don't have it figured out. Well, okay. So, also, mm -hmm. you have, your faith is very strong. Yep. Tell me how your faith plays into all of this. And how did you get into business management? So, let's see. That's an interesting question. I happened into business management randomly. Had no idea what it was. Actually, in Florida, of all places. But at the time I went into business management, Florida was a music mecca. You know, you had the Miami Sound Machine. You had Expose, which was a hugely popular um, pop group. And literally, I was one of the only people who knew how to use computers in a, in a firm that represented Andre Harrell, Uptown Records. They also had a sports practice. So that's kind of how TriStar wound up being multiple, uh, a multiple-discipline firm because I didn't know anything different. I just recreated what I experienced. So I was one of the only folks that knew how to use a computer, and I got hired, and all of a sudden, I was exposed to this world of pop culture. As I said, Mary J. Blige was in the studio doing um, What's the 411 at the time. She had been signed by Andre Harrell at Uptown Records. Um, Heavy D and the Boys, Jodeci, all of these incredible groups. It was an ace of bass, who was not on Uptown Records, but another client which was like really one of the first rap groups ever, you know, um, MC Search and Pete Nice. And you, I just loved it. I mean, it's like you go from the staleness of accounting to doing financial statements. And I did the tour accounting. 
And I did that stuff by hand. So like wow. today when people complain about workload, I'm like, try doing that by <laughs> hand and then complain to me. Yeah. Um, and I just loved it. And, and actually tying that into faith, I, I worked for some folks that I didn't really love, okay. you know, just really what I felt weren't, some of them were not honest and it just was not going to be a place where I could stay. But I knew nothing, knew nobody, you know, as a young lady. And it's like, how do you leave there and go, hey, I'm just going to start my business. I right. mean, you talk about insanity. Did you start a business yeah, right just, after that? Well, I went home and I told my husband, I'm like, babe, I can do anything for, I said, three years because I needed to learn the players. And I didn't have enough, I knew how to do accounting and I just learned tour and no tax experience. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know the difference between a you know performance royalty and a mechanical royalty. So anyway, going back to that, I stayed for about two and a half years to learn everything and then finally got to the place where I would leave. And then you said, in your 20s, you said, I'm gonna go start my own. Yeah. And you did it. I did. Holy cow, Lou. You like are so fearless. No, and it's you, not. You, it's, but you don't, you're not scared. Well, you don't feel fearless at the time. <laughs> you, it's, you don't know, I didn't know any better. I was just like, this is it. I, you, every entrepreneurial CEO has an element of crazy. <laughs> and I definitely have that. And, and I walked out, so going back to faith, I feel like at very pivotal times in my career, God's given me something that's like knowledge that I was able to build like on. Like he actually gives you yeah, just gives signs, me, it's, voices? Yeah, just, what is it? Sometimes it's both, but it's a thought process of when I left, I needed to be able to pay my bills, right? Because, you know, you're poor at that time. I think I was making like $17,000 a year. And so... I figured out very quickly when I was making my move that if I went out and signed small corporate businesses, right, because it's steady business, going back to the plan business, I could pay my bills. And then I would build, I would go out and sell during the day. I'd do the work at night until I had enough cash resources to hire uh, who was my partner in South Florida at the time who had come out of Jack Nicholas and um, she had served Jack Nicholas and Golden Bear. So she had worldwide tax experience hire her out, and then as that fed the need for operating capital, I would then work the entertainment relationship. So, you know, that's Mary J's, it's 25 years now, so 22 of those on my own. So what happened, the real catalyst for me was that when I left, 90 days later, I had enough corporate business to bring out. Of course you did. Yeah. So. <laughs> my partner came out and at that time when both of us left one of the brothers who was such an upstanding man in this firm said i will give you a couple of the clients if you continue to um, pay me basically on this book of business so there were there were three artists that or i'm sorry two artists and one athlete and one of those athletes had an enormous contract and that just changed the trajectory of the firm. So literally within 120 days, it was myself, uh, my partner, two bookkeepers, and we took down office space. And then the rest is history in 2000. It just never, you just kept growing it ever just since. Just kept growing it. So we moved here in 2002. Um, I opened the office in Nashville in 2003, the summer of 2003. I opened the LA office in 2008, and now we're 80 staff, two locations, and 84, some around 84 clients. Tell mm -hmm. me some of your awesome clients. Well, 
I, uh, they're all favorites. <laughs> I love them all. I love the ones that are the babies that are just getting started that have immense talent. Let's talk about some of these the superstars, though. Okay. So <laughs> some of the superstars. I have Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, which was a He's huge so vanity. Amazing. Amazing man. Probably one of the most genuine humans you will ever meet. Um, Mary Jane Blige, who um, I've mentioned. Uh, Britney Spears. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. Gwen Stefani. Uh, Megan Trainer, who is, I will go out on a limb and say Megan is probably somebody who has blown me away the most when it comes to music. And I mean that in a 360 manner. People forget how young she is, but she is like a savant. She is, I mean, Megan really is like a musical genius. Her ability to hear, her ability to write, to play. And Megan's one of those people from the beginning, she will tell you that she was writing songs, you know, for her friends in school, that it was just part of who she is and how her dad nurtured that gift in her. And I mean, she's just such a compelling young lady. Of course, I have Florida Georgia Line, and I respect Tyler and Brian so much when you talk about badasses. Again, people who have come in and done things because not because they were trying to change the system or change change the marketplace. It's they just did them. And mm -hmm. I'm always like, respect people who do them. Yes, you're authentic. Do you. It's like, don't do somebody else. Justin Tranner, who has my, I mean, I, I hate elaborating on any one of them because they're all so amazing and in a different right. But... Justin Tranner, who came out of Semi-Precious Weapons, and now literally Billboard just named him number eight of 25 top writers in the domestic U.S. Because when you meet Justin, I just want to put on a birthday hat and, you know, like a bright pink outfit, which I never wear pink, but I would put it on for him because he's so happy. And it's because he's gone through everything in his career and he respects the gift. Yes, he does not take it for granted, and he's not, yeah, totally, like he respects knows what a gift it, it respects, respects the gift. Respects the gifts. And then, you know, we have um, Allison Felix, who's, you know, an incredible um, athlete who, again, eats, breathes, and sleeps. Her, her passion is one of the fastest women, you know, arguably in the world. I don't know. I, I, I love them all. And I'll, I'll tell you this about um, Jennifer Lopez. I have not ever met another woman who grinds and eats, breathes, and sleeps her role as a content creator as she does. You I mean, can when tell with her. She is, when I say gangster, she's as gangster as they come, period. She gets it done. She's gangster. She is the boss. They call her boss lady, and she is the boss lady. I love that. And she's hot as hell. Hot as hell. Doing it. Doing it. You can be it all. She does that show out in Vegas because I represent Jennifer uh, for her residency business because she has a wonderful business manager that does her, her TV and film work. And um, you watch what she, when I tell you she is getting it, every minute her feet are on that stage and you, you look at the work ethic that she puts into her craft. And I got to tell you, it's the same thing for Tyler and Brian. You know, I've seen a lot of artists come and go because that's the nature of the business. You have moments and then you don't have them anymore. But Tyler and Brian, 
they're gangster as well. It's like they'll go do a show and they take their writing bus out because they have their publishing company, Tree Vibes Music. They take the bus out. They take writers out. They will get off, shower, and they're like, let me hear the demos from the writing sessions today. Like this is no, they get that this is, they're creating an empire. Yeah, and so work, I work. I I would hope they would say that I work really hard for them, and my staff works really hard for them because I feel like they deserve that that level of service. I love it so much. Okay, we're gonna wrap up. Got a couple more questions, yeah. and we're gonna hear some of your favorite yeah. songs. Did you always know? When did you know this was your calling? When did you know you're walking in your calling? Probably the moment I realized that I was gonna go out on my own. I'm you like, felt it. I love this so much, and I don't know if anybody. This goes back to being crazy, right? Who at that age, I'm like, I don't know if there's anybody else that's ever, it never even entered my mind to go look for another business management firm and go work somewhere You else. knew you are ready to do it on your own. I, I wouldn't say I knew I was ready to do it on my own. It was never a consideration to go work for somebody else. And that's why when I'll flip back to my pet peeve, I know what's in my head, or I say to people, I know what's on the canvas. And the canvas is a beautiful painting where not only the people who work for me get to experience the joy of working in their craft and being more than fairly compensated for it. They're, they're, that's what's on my mind. That's what the canvas is. And then I say to them, I also know what's not on the canvas. And what's not on the canvas is a hospital. I don't want to deal with your drama. I don't want to deal with crap. I want you to come in and I want you to contribute. Who spends hours painting a canvas and then you let somebody come in and flick paint on it? You don't, I'm like, no, no, no. not gonna. You're gonna add going, to the picture or you're no, gonna no, not? No, no, no hospital in it. You're either going to contribute and it be beautiful because if you're a head tripper, you need to go someplace else. You can't, can't be with me. I love that, that's why you're so effective. I don't know if I'm the yes, Lou. Just the right amount of crazy. It's perfect. Okay, we're going to wrap up. Yeah. Leave your light. Leave some inspiration. How you oh. would like to inspire people. Or how you have been inspired. My inspiration would be find, do something that's not just a job. Do something that's not just a job. Because... You know, I, I think everybody asks themselves this, this silly question at one point in time. If I won the lottery, would I go to work tomorrow? And I can honestly tell you that if I won the lottery, I'd go to work tomorrow. Like, and I don't know that there's a lot of people that would still do that. You love it. You love it. You love what, and I'm not done. I don't know what done is, but I know I'm not done, if that makes any sense Yes. All. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Lou, gosh, you're like so inspirational. No. <laughs> So now we're going to play music. We're gonna okay. Play, we're going to play a couple songs yep. that have greatly impacted you and your life. That's right. So tell me, okay, tell me about this first one. The first one is Dream On. Is that right? First, Steve, yeah. Aerosmith. Okay. So Steven Tyler, who I adore as a human, Dream On to me, I, I don't think anybody, especially anybody who's my age, but even young people, um, don't know dream on. It's like dream on, dream on, dream yourself, a dream come true. And I think that's that's just so been part of my life. Dream yourself a dream come true. It's what does like, that mean to you? Well, I think TriStars dream yourself a dream come true. It's like people will walk in my office and go, oh my gosh, look what you built. I never even think about it that way. I'm like, I'm just doing it's just, me. You're just doing what's yeah, on your dream canvas. Dream yourself a dream come true. I want to dream myself staff to come true. It's like 
because when you hire drivers, that's amazing. But anyway, I love this song. I love Stephen. Stephen's the sole writer on Dream On. I don't know if a lot of people know that. And he literally wrote the song in 20 minutes. So when Stephen became a client of mine, I don't think there was, you know, any greater joy for me than to sign somebody who had so greatly impacted my life with music. Because I'm a rock girl. I grew up during Long Live Rock, you know. <laughs> I love it. Okay, we're going to hear a little bit. Teal Audio's newest speaker line, the Aurora Livestream speakers, are designed to fit seamlessly into your home with its wide range of connectivity. To check out the latest speaker line, go to tealaudio.com. change too a little bit because like sometimes like, that sounds different to me than some of his other recordings does it to you no I mean I just <laughs> I just love him he could read his the range. cereal box and I'd be down with it you know Mike Will made it is a I mean arguably one of the greatest producers right now of our our day and um, he came to the Aerosmith show and we were standing side stage talking and he looked at me and he said he goes look at that you know, because all the way up, and he said, I would hope someday, at this point in time, I could still put somebody in a seat all the way up there. He's like, he's amazing. And I think that's the, I think that's the beauty of who Steven Tyler is. Because let me tell you something, you, you buy a ticket for a show to see Steven, and you're, you're getting every dollar of it. Every dollar of it. You surround yourself with people who give everything of themselves. Yeah. I try to really hard. It probably keeps all the passion up with everything. Because yeah. if anyone's not passionate, the flame doesn't burn as bright. So everyone in your tribe is on fire. Yeah, and if they're not, then they really have to go. You know, <laughs> that's hard. And that's the hard thing because turnover is money. You mm -hmm. know, time and training is money. Okay, tell me about this next song. Okay, so the next song is Real Love. So this is full circle for me, Real Love, because. Um, when I first got into business management, as I said earlier, Mary J was in the studio doing What's the 411. So she was signed in 1989 by Andre Harrell. She was basically doing vocals for him. And then What's the 411 came out. And Real Love to me just, I, I remember hearing Real Love for the first time. It's like I'm searching for a real love, you know, someone to set my heart free. And so being a young girl at that time, you just thought Mary was like, when she first came on the scene, there had never really been anybody like Mary who had that edge to her. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean like in a, she just owned, if you meet Mary today, just look at the images of her. Like she walks in a room and you know that, She's a boss. Royal, yeah, she's R&B 
royalties just walked in the room. And so Mary um, is, is a client of TriStar, and so that's all come full circle for me to have worked on Uptown Records when she was signed. Her being in the studio doing what's the 411 at that time, and now here, this is going to be the 25th anniversary of what's the 411 this summer, and that she's still a boss. Her new record's coming out, Strength of a Woman, her new album. And when I tell you, we sat um, in Jim Henson's studio, one of his studios over there, and listened to the new record. And she's just boss-ass brilliant. I think that needs to be a new hashtag. Yeah, boss-ass brilliant. Not hashtag girl boss, just girl girl boss. boss. Killing it. Okay, here we go. inspired life you live seriously you're changing you're changing the world for all these superstars for all these people for your staff that you work with like the the precedent that you set is just excellence and you're so inspired and so passionate it's an honor to work with you and know you and get to interview you today thank you for letting me serve you and michael i love you love you so much love you more thank you for joining me you're welcome How amazing was that episode with Lou? She's incredible. I just love her and admire her so much. You guys, next week I'm fired up. I have the Sisterhood Band joining me. This is two fabulous females, Alyssa Bonagura and Ruby Stewart, and together they make the Sisterhood, and they are so incredible. Ruby is rock and roll royalty. Her dad is Rod Stewart. And Alyssa also grew up in a traveling band, living on the road with her parents. Together they have the sound that I've never heard before. Their energy is electric. They're beautiful. They're incredible. They're like Stevie Nicks, magic, all sorts of stuff meets country music. Absolutely one of the best interviews ever. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes. And then also go to my website, carolinehobby.com, and click watch because all of these episodes are now on video also so you can watch them or listen to them whatever suits you best so tune in next week for the sisterhood